Okay. Well, uh, this was an interesting, interesting uh, week of preparation. Uh, we've been in Psalm 18, looking at Psalm 18, and uh, uh, we'd spent three weeks and gotten through about the first half of the psalm. And so, uh, originally, the, <clears throat> the original thought or plan was that uh, that I'd take today and finish Psalm 18. But I just found the the time of preparation this weekend really uh, just different. Uh, not just because it is uh, my last Sunday in the class, but just trying to understand what the Lord wanted to say. And so I spent, you know, of course, a number of hours in preparation. Uh, and then uh, usually, as I usually do on Saturdays, uh, Saturday afternoons, I go out to the lake and I spend time out at the lake just kind of thinking through and praying through what God wants me to actually say the next day. <clears throat> and I usually spend a few hours doing that. And as I, but as I was uh, driving out to the lake yesterday, I'm just, I'm just suddenly getting the impression that that's not what the Lord wants me to do. And I'm going, uh, but Lord, that's what I'm prepared to do. <laughs> and, uh, and I just have this kind of distinct impression from him that that's just not appropriate today. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, this is uh, this is really kind of a special day, certainly for me, uh, and a special day in some ways for you all as well. And it just didn't seem appropriate just to teach a regular lesson. And uh, so I prayed about that, and I thought about that. And I thought, well, what, what do you want me to talk about, Lord? Uh, you know. Uh, uh, and I thought about some passages and thought about some things, and then I'd go back and look at Psalm 18 again. And I did that for about an hour, going back and forth between the two. And uh, but it just seemed like uh, it would be appropriate to just take some time and just reflect on the transition that we all are encountering at this point in our lives. Um, and in some ways, I'm reluctant to do that because I don't I don't want to extract I don't want to exaggerate the significance of this. I mean, it's I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but it's just a Sunday school class, and I'm just moving down the hall, and you all are going to go on, and you're going to be fine, and God is going to bless, and He's going to teach, and and all that sort of thing, and so. Uh, and so in some ways uh, it's just one of the normal transitions that we go through but on the other hand I've been in this class for I really don't even know how long but (laughs) I've probably been teaching it for close to 20 years or so and I have put many thousands of hours into your lives over a period of those years. And so it just didn't seem appropriate just to say, well, goodbye, see you down there, see you in the sanctuary or something like that. It seemed that God would have us think maybe a little more about those about these things. And, and, uh, and of course, that's part of the point of our fellowship together uh, in a couple of weeks on the 25th. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are. Uh, and uh, and uh, I hope to be able to see all of you and others who aren't here today there for that time. 
And that, of course, will give us a time on a, on a fairly intimate level to be together and share back and forth together. But this is kind of my time uh, to just kind of lay it on you. <laughs> and uh, so I... So I kind of felt that's what the Lord wanted me to do, but I had no clue what he wanted me to say. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I thought about things and I thought about, uh, uh, I thought about very past, various passages of Scripture, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but I was thinking about the area of the subject of transitions. Because transitions is a, it's just a fact of life, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, and we all go through them, and we go through them in little things, and we go through them in big things, and we're constantly experiencing transitions. And uh, this is just another one of those transitions that we go through in life. And. Uh, uh, but my problem is I'm not real crazy about change. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, <clears throat> I made the big plunge this week and upgraded my cell phone. Okay. That's traumatic for me, folks. <laughs> okay. I was, using a, I was using about a five-generation old iPhone, and, and, and uh, I needed to upgrade because one of the things I use my, uh, my smartphone for extensively, actually, is Bible study because I have a very good Bible study program on my phone with the Greek and, and various Bible study helps and stuff, and it's real easy to flip back and forth and that sort of stuff. And I have it with me all the time, so wherever I am, it's, I'm able to check things and think about things. And so I use it extensively, and they kept improving my Bible program, which means on my old iPhone, it kept getting slower and slower. And, uh, you know, I finally wrote them and said, hey, please, <laughs> you know, all your updates are making it so I can't use my, my program anymore. So I was being kind of forced, of course, you know, if, you, if you're a guy, that's a nice way to be forced, you know, into the modern technology. So, so at any rate, I made the plunge this week. But, uh, but every time I upgrade an iPhone, which isn't very, I mean a phone, a cell phone, which isn't very often, it's always traumatic for me. <laughs> and I always go, I like the old one better. <laughs> so I now have this new iPhone. Not, no, I didn't buy a six. I, I bought, I, I bought a, a 5S. I didn't, you know, couldn't justify going the full, uh, <clears throat> full nine yards. But I bought a, I bought a fairly new one. And, uh, and of course, I, there are some of the bells and whistles I like. But <clears throat> there's all these things that go. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I wish I had my old phone. You know, uh, <clears throat> that's just kind of the way we are and that's just a little area of life. well that's the way I am and I imagine probably some of you are the same way <clears throat> and that's just a little area of life but then there are the big changes we go through a child gets married a, you know a kid graduates from school somebody moves moves on to a different city or or you change pastors or you change Sunday school teachers or you change churches or you know there's just all these different transitions that we go through in life and and usually we do them because we believe it's a good process, but that doesn't always make it pleasant or easy or comfortable. And, and I think that the older we get, <laughs> sometimes the more difficult it gets. Uh, and, and so this is a transition we're going through. And, it, and, in, and in one sense, it's, it's more than just if... 
you know, we'd been together for a couple of years and I'd been teaching the class for a couple of years and we're, you know, and I'm now moving on to a different class. It's, it really is different than that because I've been with some of you longer than you had your children at home. And uh, so it's been a long time we've been together for some of us. And, uh, and as I said, I, and this, I don't say this by way of boasting, but I just say it because it, it's, a, it's an expression of the commitment that I have in you that I have spent probably close to 10,000 hours investing in this class over the years I've been here. And uh, so that's a real commitment. And so it's not... So I don't move on to other things with any sense of lightness or this is an easy step to make. It is, in fact, in some ways to me, a very frightening step to take. Uh, uh, don't ask me why. Uh, but at any rate, uh, so I was thinking about this subject of transition and, 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 and just that we're going through this transition. And I'm thinking, okay, so God, what do you want me to say? And you would think that there would be something in Scripture. You know, there'd be some passage I go to. Of course, I'm by this time it's you know the middle of the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, and and uh, I you know I obviously don't have time to go dig up a whole new passage of Scripture and do hours of expositional study and that sort of thing to present. You know, so but I'm thinking, Lord, is there some passage of scripture that deals with this subject of of the change of transition of moving on and it turns out there are a lot of them it's the whole story of the story of redemption is transition so i started thinking through these all these and i was thinking well should we talk about this one or that one or this one or that one or whatever and you know it starts uh, i don't know where it starts but probably the biggest first major transition in scripture is the story of jacob at the end of his life, there in Genesis chapter 49, where he, uh, where he blesses his sons and he gives these prophecies uh, for each one of his uh, 12 sons as to what's coming in the future. And, uh, and uh, there's that uh, classic prophecy there in, in, of Jacob's in Genesis 49, where he says to Judah, he says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah till Shiloh comes. And so this is a very, very profound transition as as Jacob is getting ready to pass on and and uh, and and he's looking to the future and he's looking to what God is going to do through the lives of his sons and their descendants after them. And then you move over to the next chapter and you have the transition as Joseph is dying. Okay, Jacob's son, of course, Joseph. And as, and as he is dying, and, and as he's dying, he speaks to the sons of Israel and he, uh, and, he, and he reminds them that God has made a promise to Abraham of this land. And so here they are, they're all down in Egypt, and, and Joseph is just reminding them, God's promised you this land, and he's promised us this land, and he says, he says uh, literally, he says, God will take care of you. And he says, God's going to take us back there. And so he gives them specific instructions about taking his bones. When you go back to, when you go back to that land that God promised our father Abraham, you take my bones with you because I want my bones to be buried there. And, uh, 
And then you jump forward a little bit in the redemptive story and you have Moses and you have Moses at the end of his life there. And of course, you know the story there uh, as they're on the edge of the wilderness and they're about to come into the promised land. And of course, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. But there's probably as far as transitions in Scripture, this is the one to which Scripture devotes perhaps the largest bulk of 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 of, uh, verses or or passage, uh, because there's there's at least a couple chapters there devoted to Moses's transition. Uh, You have in chapter 32, you have very famous the Song of Moses, which takes the entire chapter, chapter 32 of Deuteronomy. And, and then in chapter 33, he launches into these, uh, these exhortations that he gives to the sons of Israel. Uh, and at, towards the end of that chapter, in verse 47, he says, This is not an idle word. This is your life. Um, and then there's, uh, you move forward another generation and you have Joshua at the end of his life. And his exhortation to the sons of Israel there in Joshua 24, the passage you're probably very familiar with has been a very important passage in my life. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, And then there's uh, David's transition as he turns the kingdom over to his son, Solomon. And that's kind of a dicey situation there. Uh, uh, right at that point, uh, some others are trying to kind of horn in on the deal. And uh, so David kind of grabs the bull by the horn, so to speak, and makes sure that the kingdom is going to be passed to his son Solomon. And he enjoins Solomon. He says, be strong and show yourself a man. Uh, and he tells him to keep the charge of God. By that he means keep God's commandments. Solomon, of course, uh, kind of dropped the ball on that in some ways. Uh, moving forward in the story, you have the transition from Elijah to Elisha. That's kind of a cool story. Uh, here's this great prophet Elijah, and he's done all these great things, you know, and and uh, and he's had these disciples, these you know, uh, can I call them minor prophets? <laughs> he's had these lesser prophets that have been around him, and he's been training them. And and one in particular, of course, is Elisha, and. Elijah is getting ready to he's getting ready for God to take him up into heaven, literally. And uh, and so he's moving from one city to another. And and Elisha just keeps following him. And Elijah says, go back, go back. And he's no, I'm going with you. And he keeps going with him. And and so finally, Elijah says to Elisha, he says, just tell me anything you want. And and God will do it for you. I'll do it for you. whatever." And uh, Elisha says, uh, I want a double portion of your blessing or whatever. I want a double portion. And Elijah goes, I'm, I'm in no place to do this. You know, this is beyond me. And so he says, he says, well, if you see me when I leave, then, then it's done. Then God's going to do that for you. And so sure enough, Elijah actually gets to see, uh, Elisha actually gets to see Elijah ascend into heaven and, and he drops his mantle. Elijah drops his mantle in the process and Elisha picks up his mantle. It becomes a symbol of the passing of the torch, so to speak, from Elijah to Elisha. And, you know, I've never counted the miracles, but I've been told several times, I've heard several times, that in fact, in Scripture, there are exactly twice as many miracles recorded by Elisha as were recorded 
by Eli- uh, that were done by Elijah. So uh, I don't know if that's uh, actually the case. Like I said, I've never counted them myself, but I understand that to be the case. And of course, probably the most profound transition in all of Scripture is Jesus on the Mount of Olives. When he turns over the church to those 12 guys. You know, when you stop and think about it, that's really astonishing. (laughs) Um, I I guess it's silly to talk in these terms, but I think, well, I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) You know, here I am, the Son of God. You know, I can do this thing. These guys, you know, they've not shown themselves to really have their act together, you know. But he told them back in the upper room, he told them, he says, greater works than these shall you do. And then there on the Mount of Olives, he says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And he says, I, uh, he says I'm giving it to you and I'm with you. I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples from every ethnic group in the world. And he gives them that job and they take it and they run with it and they do an awesome job. And we're here today because they did. And then there's in in Acts chapter 17, there's the story of, of the transition there in Ephesus as Paul is getting ready to leave. He's returning to Jerusalem. He goes through Ephesus on the way. He's going to Jerusalem. Then he's going to go to Rome. And from Rome, he intends to go on, as we've talked before recently in our study of Romans, he's planning to go on further uh, uh, further west to Spain. And uh, and so he knows he's never going to see these this Ephesian church again, a place where he'd spent three years, invested three years of his life. And... Uh, and so he exhorts them and he tells them in Acts 20, 25, he says, you're no longer, you're never going to see me again. You know, I'm not telling you guys that. I'm going to be right down the hall. Okay? And they're never going to see you again. Okay? But he tells them, he says, to be on guard in, in verse 28 of chapter, Acts 20. He says, be on guard. And then he gives them two things to be on guard for. He says, be on guard for yourselves and be on guard for the flock. Because he knows there are dangers, there are perils. And that's actually a theme that kind of goes through a lot of these transitions when you study them, when you read about them, is that, is that the person who's leaving and going on is reminding those who are staying, who are carrying on the work, he's reminding them there are dangers out there. There are people out there that want to do you in. <laughs> there are people out there that are opposed to what you want to accomplish. And uh, so he says... To the Ephesian elders, he tells them to be on guard for themselves and, he says, for the flock. And so there's two perils there. There's a peril to ourselves as individuals and there's a peril to the person who's sitting next to us. And then, of course, there's Paul's injunctions to Timothy in Second Timothy where uh, now Paul now realizes uh, he's in prison in Rome, that his days are numbered, uh, his, the job's about up for him, and, uh, and perhaps his most faithful disciple, closest follower, uh, is Timothy, who at the time is now in Ephesus. And, and he writes to Timothy 
in chapter 2, uh, or in Second Timothy, I mean, he writes to him. And, and in chapter 2, he reminds him to be strong and he reminds him to take the things he's learned from Paul and entrust those to other people as well. He tells Timothy, he says, I have fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Paul could look back on his life and say, I've done, I've done well. I've done well at this thing God's given me to do. And then he tells, uh, he tells uh, Timothy, he tells him to preach the word in season and out of season. Just preach the word. Preach the word when you feel like it. And preach the word when you don't feel like it. Preach the Word when people are listening and preach the Word when people aren't listening. Preach the Word in season and out of season. And he tells Timothy to fulfill his ministry. you got a job to do, Timothy. What, what Paul is saying there to Timothy, he's saying, I want you to be able to say at the end of your life what I'm saying at the end of mine. That I fought a good fight, that I finished the course, that I run the race. <clears throat> and then in, uh, in John, uh, the epistles to John, uh, they're, they're really not couched in these terms of transition, but you clear, clearly see this is what's going on. That here is the aged apostle John. His days also are now numbered on the earth, and he's writing to these various people in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, to uh, apparently a church in 1st John, and to individuals in 2nd and 3rd John. He's writing to them. And he warns them to keep themselves from idols, to love one another, to keep God's commandments. And then he tells in 3 John, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So this idea of transition runs through Scripture. And yesterday I was thinking through all these various different ones. And I was thinking, you know, does God want us to, to delve into one of those stories, one of those passages and explore it in depth. But, but I kind of felt like, well, this transition is not like one of those. This is different. Uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't one of those big earth shatters. And they feel earth shattering to us like my getting a new iPhone this week. Yeah, and they feel earth shattering to us. But in the grand scheme of things, this is really kind of small. And, you know, I don't want to exaggerate it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give the impression that I think I'm some kind of Moses or, <laughs> or Elijah or David or Paul or something like that. Because I really don't view myself in any way like that. And, and, uh, and of course, you all are in good hands. You know, uh, you know, it's not like I'm moving away and you're left here without any leadership. You know, you're in a good church. You're in a church that loves God, that teaches the Word. You have elders who care for you, who love you, uh, who oversee you, men who love God and who are committed to His Word. And and uh, so you have... Uh, so, so in many ways, as I thought back on these passages, I thought, well, those are good stories. They're, I mean, they're, they're good and they have important lessons in them. <clears throat> but, uh, but I didn't find in any one of them something that I could really connect with today. And so I thought, well, I'm just kind of on my own. 
uh, I just need to share my heart. Because ultimately, I think that's what each one of those guys did. And over the you know, throughout those stories, I think that the thing is is that they each looked at the situation and they just shared what God put on their heart. And so, okay, well, God, what's on my heart? And uh, and so, as I thought about that, there were just several things that I thought I would like to say. And one of them is. Uh, Before the Lord, I believe I can honestly say that I've never viewed myself in this position as being in a being your spiritual guide. I've never viewed myself as being your leader. <laughs> uh, I've I just felt like I was, and this is honestly, I think this is honestly true. I just felt like I was your servant. And so each week when I would go to study, and yeah, I would spend a lot of time studying. And and because I spent a lot of time studying, there's a lot of other things I didn't do in life. Okay, That's just, you know. Every time we choose to do one thing, we eliminate other things, right? That's just the nature of making choices. And, and so that's true. But, I, but it was never a burden. I never resented it. I never wished I could do other things. Partly because I love God's Word. <laughs> I love getting in God's Word. I love what it did in me as I got in God's Word. But, but also because I loved you. And, and I saw what happened in you when somehow through me God shared His Word. And it was just always mind-boggling to me and such a privilege just to be your servant. And, uh, and so, so that's, how I, that's how I viewed it. And as I, then as I thought about that, I thought, as you move forward, okay, the way things are shaping up at this point, there's apparently going to be at least a period of time, and it may be permanently this way, but at least a period of time in which you're kind of going to be doing some team teaching type of thing, you know, where different, different men step up and take a Sunday or take a couple Sundays and, share, and kind of direct the class through a time of, or through whatever you're studying at that particular point. And... Uh, and for some of you, you know, that's no big deal. You've done that before. You're experienced at it. At, you know, you can do it. For some of you, the thought of doing that may be very intimidating. It may be, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know. Well, one of the things that makes it helpful to do is just don't, just don't think about yourself. Think about the people you're trying to serve. Just be a servant. You, you know, uh, 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 somebody who's really focused on being a servant isn't preoccupied about how they're coming across. Now, I don't want to imply there haven't been times when you know the flesh doesn't, you know, kind of rile up inside of me, and I and I get worried about what people think about me. We all do that to some degree, but 
But being successful in whatever it is that God gives us to do is is really contingent upon how much we just see ourselves as a servant. That's it. And if we can just say, okay, you know, this Sunday I get to lead the class. This is the Sunday that I get to get up from the table and gird myself and get on my hands and feet and wash the disciples' feet. This is the Sunday that I get to do that. This is the Sunday that that I get to follow the Lord's instruction when He said in the upper room, just as I have served you and washed your feet, you wash one another's feet. And so as a class, and not just the guys who are who, who get the opportunity and the responsibility to lead on a given Sunday or from Sunday to Sunday. But for all of you, as a class together, if you will just think in those terms. That at the Last Supper, the Lord got up. The Lord of glory. Got up from the table and he girded himself with a towel and he got down on the ground and he washed the disciples' feet. And if you could just think in those terms, I think the sky is the limit in what God can do in your midst. It won't look like what He's been doing over the last number of years. It'll look different. But it'll still be God. And anything God is doing is awesome. Right? So, and another thing over the years, one of the reasons that I have, that I take the approach that I take to teaching or have, until uh, uh, now things will change because the subject matter is changing to some degree as I move on to this other class. But, but, in, but I have always loved teaching expo- expositionally through the scriptures. Uh, rather than you know, picking a topic and teaching a topic or picking a passage here and then a passage there and, and, and kind of jumping around. And there's a place for those. I, I, don't, I would never criticize people whom God leads to do that kind of thing. But one of the reasons that I have appreciated and enjoyed the kind of the, the approach that God has, uh, has let me explore this expositional through a passage, take a book, or take a, take a significant passage of Scripture and work our way through it. One of the reasons that, that I appreciate that is because I appreciate the discipline that that forces on me. Because it forces me to deal with things in Scripture I would never deal with otherwise. It forces me to deal with passages that convict me. It forces me to deal with passages that are very difficult to understand. For me, it forces me to deal with passages that are very controversial, that I know various Christians feel very differently about. And sometimes we've had to deal with passages that even right here in this class, people feel very differently about. Okay? And it's forced me to deal with those passages. And uh, so, so as we're going through, as we were going through these various books or whatever, and I would see these passages looming on the horizon, you know, I have to go, well, Lord, I, you know, I don't know how to handle this one. 
And this one. And, uh, and there were times when, as I did preparatory study, maybe a few weeks or a couple months ahead of time, the Lord would kind of hold my hand and kind of show me how, how to approach it, you know. But there were many, many times when it's four or five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and I'm out at the lake and I'm walking and I'm saying, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't want to do with this passage. I don't know what you're trying to say. And yet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I would come in here and he'd give me something to say. And, and oftentimes, sometimes, it would simply be, I don't know. You know, that's really, that's a really good thing to say when you don't know. Don't bluff it. You know, early in my ministry, I tried to bluff it. Don't try to bluff it. If you don't know, just say, hey, people, I don't know. I'm struggling with this one. Uh, the other temptation is just to skip them. You know? And that's why I like expositional teaching, because I couldn't skip them. You know? I couldn't teach a passage you know, and just leave out sections. Uh, you know? uh, it's really frustrating when you're reading a commentary. Okay? And you're coming up on that passage that is so hard, and that the church is so un settled about and you can, and what do they do? They just skip over it. I go, well, gee, thanks. You're a lot of help. <laughs> you, know. Uh, you know, I'd appreciate it if the commentator would just say, I don't know. But I guess commentators don't like putting that down in print. <laughs> it's easy for me to say I'm not writing it in a book. <laughs> but the point is, this is how God has dealt with me and this has been my experience. As you move forward, you're going to face challenges that just seem overwhelming. You don't have an answer to them. All right? It's okay. If you need an answer, God will give it. Sometimes He'll even give you an answer when you don't need it. <laughs> just to show you He's cool. Yeah. And sometimes He'll say, just trust me. Just trust me and be humble. Just trust me and say, I don't know. I don't have an answer to this. <clears throat> Rick, if I might say, I'm, Go ahead. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> because I've looked at him and thought, I, I don't know what to say. I can't, I can't do this or that. And, and I forget that what you're talking about is what I've mentioned several times mm-hmm. here. Is that we're exercising faith. Yeah. And that's exactly what you just described. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's either walk by faith and be honest or lie to people. That's your choice, folks. You can either walk by faith and be honest or you can lie to people. And I just chose not to lie. I've tried not to lie. Well, another thing that's been an overriding theme in 
in my approach to teaching this class for many years. And there, I won't go into how the Lord really brought this into focus in my life. Uh, actually, after I'd been teaching the class, really brought it into focus more. <clears throat> but it's been the focus for many years is I just have absolute confidence that I'm teaching the people of God. And that means I'm teaching people that God's Spirit is in. And that changes your approach. If you have real confidence that God is in the people you're talking to, and that He is working, and that He is conforming them to the image of Christ, and that He is teaching them, then that really makes my job pretty simple. We've still tried to be good hecklers. You've been great hecklers. (laughs) Well, sometimes God is a heckler. (laughs) In case you haven't noticed But it really does make the job easier. Because now I don't have to persuade you of anything. I don't have to convince you of anything. All I have to do is stand up here and share with you what I believe is true and what God has impressed on my heart is true. And if I share that with you and you are the people of God and God is at work in you, then He will take that seed... And do whatever he wants with it. And it absolves me of responsibility. Uh, So really, this work that I've been engaged in for the last number of years, 20 years or however long it's been, is not my work at all. It's his work. And and I really think he's been doing it. (laughs) You know, I've... I've heard the things you've said. I've seen your lives. I've watched your lives. Uh, I've heard the things you've shared with me. The things you've spoken in class and shared in class. And it's just obvious. God's been working. God's been doing stuff. And, uh, and, and I really don't think that just because I'm moving down the hall to teach another class that he's decided to give up on you. I, you know, because I really don't think this was about me in the first place. It was really about you. And so, as as I move on and move down the hall, I have confidence that God still is really big, really big on this idea of working in your lives and helping you grow and feeding you spiritually and causing you to love Him and love one another more and be effective in your lives. And prosper spiritually. That's what he's about. That's what he wants to do. And so the only obstacle to that is you. You know, you can at this point say, well, Lord, this is transition. And of course, because it's transition, it's scary. But you are still God. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm just looking to see what you're going to do in my life and in this class. Or you can panic and go, well, you know, all we got laid in this class now is a bunch of doofuses that don't know any more than I know, you know. Well, that's what it's been all along, actually. <laughs> but, so just have confidence in God. Believe that He really does want to do a work in you. He does want to feed you spiritually. And it may involve 
a different approach in your life personally than it has in the past. It may even involve more work on your part than it has in the past. But that's not a bad thing, is it? That's a good thing. Well, of all these different transitions that that I ran through earlier that I told you about in Scripture, there is there is one that that always touches me. It's always been particularly meaningful for me, and that's Paul handing off the ropes, so to speak, to Timothy. Second Timothy has always been, since my days in the army, has been a very precious book to me. And uh, and Paul says a lot in that book that really, but but there's one thing there's one thing he says that just like it just sums it all up in three words. In chapter uh, in chapter two, uh, in verse eight, Paul says to Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead, ascended of David. Just remember Jesus Christ. Perhaps the, I, I think, it was perhaps the very first public Bible study I ever taught. Uh, it's one of the first. Uh, when I was on the island of Okinawa, almost 50 years ago, 40, 45 years ago. And what I'd been observing is I'd been working in ministry there on the island is that there were some guys who just were really seemingly dealing with U.S. servicemen, so they were there for a period of time, and then they would rotate back to the States. And, and, uh, and a lot of them were just really on fire for the Lord, and they were going out and they were doing evangelism, and they were memorizing Scripture and doing Bible study and growing in Christ and that sort of thing. <clears throat> but Okinawa was a very intense environment. There weren't a lot of distractions, and so you could really get guys to really focus on their... Relationship with the Lord and serving the Lord. But what would happen was after after they'd get rotated back to the States, you know, they'd write letters. We'd write letters back and forth. And for the first month or two or whatever, they'd be doing great. And then over a period of time, some of them would just kind of go cold. And I was racking my brain trying to figure out why is this true? Why is it that some people really go on for God and really make a difference and others just when the when the environment isn't just really conducive and you know a greenhouse environment so to speak when you actually get out there in the wild outdoors why is it that some just grow cold and so I taught that study and I called it the God principle it was based on Psalm uh, uh, Psalm 42, where David says, "As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God." 
because my conclusion then, and I was very young then still, but it still holds today, is that the difference is who remembers Jesus Christ? Whose heart pants after God? Because what I would hope is that as I move on to another class and, and, and as I rub shoulders with you in the hallway and as we fellowship together as we'll be able to do and interact together, what I hope that I will hear is that all of you are continuing to pan after God. That all of you are remembering Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. It's really all about God. It's not about what book you study. It's not about whether or not the person leading the discussion on a particular Sunday morning is the best at it. You know? I mean, those are all important things. I don't want to I don't want to downplay them. They are important things. If I didn't think excellence in teaching was important, I wouldn't put the effort into it that I do. So I do think those things are important. But what's really important is God. And what's really important is your relationship and your walk with Him. And that you just be seeking after Him and feeding on Him and panting after Him. And if you do that, I have great confidence that all will go well and that God will prosper. Well, I'd like to just take a minute and pray for you, okay? Father, I, you know the great sense of of privilege that I feel of having been able to stand here all these years in this position and participate with this class in exploring your word together. The privilege of fellowshipping with these people, of knowing and feeling uh, their love and their care for me and for my wife and for our family. And uh, Lord, as I as I move on to other things that I believe you've led us to, uh, I just want to commit this class to you. Ask you, Lord, to to be with them. to fill them with your spirit to be speaking to them and speaking through them and using them in one another's lives I pray that that the weeks and the months and the years ahead would be years of of just great growth, of growing closer to You, of panting after You, of remembering Christ, of excelling still more and more in things that they already know and already practice. I commit them, Lord, to You, to the Holy Spirit, 
to work in their midst as a group and to work in their lives as individuals in order that in the end they might have a greater sense of fellowship with you that Christ might be exalted that other peoples both here in Norman and around the world would hear of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ because of what you are doing in these people as individuals and as a class together as they learn to love one another as they learn to keep your commandments. As they learn to walk humbly before one another and before you. I thank you again for the great privilege we've had to be together. And I will remember with fondness, God, the privilege you have given me to be a part of this class for these many years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.